Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Church and welcome. We're excited to worship with you guys this morning. I just wanted to take a look at this scripture in Zephaniah 3:17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You guys, the God of this universe delights in you. He is madly in love with you. And if he's rejoicing over us with songs, who are we to withhold our praise from him this morning? So let's dive into worship. Let's give him everything that we have. God, we love you. We exalt you, God. You are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, please, please have your way, Jesus. In your name, amen. Come on, church, let's worship. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's
so this morning, I get the privilege of leading us in communion. And when I came into the worship center, I had my plan all mapped out of what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. And then I saw um, Bill Kilgore sitting in his spot. And he does this every Sunday. He comes before 8 o'clock and he sits there and he reads his Bible and he's got a notebook and he's just talking into God and talking to him. And in my, in my heart, I thought, I'm going to go talk to him. He's an older saint. He's been in our church forever. And um, he's kind of a grandfather figure here at the church. And so I told him that it was going to be Communion Sunday. And he said, I love Communion Sunday. And I, I said, why? Like, what, what is special about Communion Sunday to you? And he said, there's just something about it when I take the bread and I take the, the grape juice and I, I eat it. It's like I feel God in a different way than in a regular worship service. Like I feel Jesus inside me somehow in a transformational way. And then he went on to talk and share. Now he's, he's 87 and he said, I've been a believer for a long time now and I still need God to keep changing me. I need him to keep conforming me into the image of his son. That's not something you outgrow. It's something that happens. You, you accept Jesus as your savior. You have a home forever in heaven, but then you begin this journey, this process of becoming more and more like Christ. And so here we have this grandfather figure, this saint of the church saying, I'm still being transformed. I'm still being changed by the body and the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. So hopefully as you entered the worship center this morning, you were given the little elements, then you have those with you. I'm going to read from the text. It says, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus had the bread and he began to break it because he knew that what was going to happen to him in the days to come was that his own body would be broken. Not for no reason, not because of something he had done, but he would allow his body to be broken so ours wouldn't have to. It's pretty amazing. God, we are so grateful for your body that you allowed yourself to be broken in our place so that we could receive salvation, so we could be forgiven of our sins and forever have a seat at your table. We're forever grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's partake. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and you sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you drink this wine and eat this bread, you are announcing the Lord's coming. Jesus allowed his blood to be spilled. And the blood not only forgives our sins, it also provides healing. And there's so many in the room that need healing. We might need healing in a physical way. We might need healing in our bodies. We might need healing in our emotions. We might need healing in our thinking. We might need healing in our relationships. 
But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that by his stripes, we're healed. And so because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he spilled his blood, we can not only be saved, we can be healed, and like Bill said, we can be transformed. Jesus, we are so grateful for the blood and for everything that it cost you and everything it purchased for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, let's continue to worship the Lord and press into him.
we love you. We love you so much, and we know that moves your heart. And Lord, we ask that you would receive our worship this morning, our singing, our lifting of hands, our taking of communion as just a love offering from us to you. And God, that it would truly move your heart and that you would open up the heavens and bless us and just bless us with your presence in this room this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hello again, church family. <laughs> if you would, turn, greet one another, and make your way to your seats. If you're watching online, we're so excited to have you uh, viewing that way as well. We're glad that you're a part of the church family. If you would, write right there in the comments where you're watching from, or if you have a prayer request, you can hit that prayer request button, let us know, and we'll be happy to pray with you um, about whatever you have going on in your life. We're just glad that you're tuning in. However you're tuning in, welcome to Fellowship Church. If you are a guest or a visitor or just newer to Fellowship Church and maybe you've been sneaking in for a couple months now, but you're finally ready to let us know that you're here, we would love to have you. If you're in person, stop by the information counter and let us know, or you can do it digitally and just text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. That'll lead you through a series of prompts that will just get you in touch with one of our pastors that'd be happy to answer any questions you might have or uh, connect you to an upcoming guest reception uh, to do exactly that, but we're just thrilled that you're here. You can receive a specialty drink by letting us know you're visiting at the bookstore, and that's always fun, and we would love to get to know you better. Also, regardless of how long you've been here, if you're at a place in your life or in your faith where you're saying, I want to grow, I, I feel like I've been on a plateau and I just want to level up in some way, we have a way for you to get some one-on-one -on -one coaching to do that. And all you do, any Sunday morning you might feel like it, you stop by the pergola on the east end and you just say, hey, I want to take my next step of faith, and then they'll just listen to your story for a couple minutes. After hearing their story, they'll kind of prescribe a prescription, if you will, of this is what you should do to kind of take that next step. They'll give you um, just some feedback. If you're at this level of faith, then this life group would be a great choice for you or whatever it might be. But that's where you go, and we encourage everyone to do that at some point, especially if you feel plateaued in your uh, walk with Christ. So we are going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, and as we do, um, the directions of how you might get involved in that are all on the side screen. You can um, scan that QR code. You can do that with the camera on your phone if you're not familiar with those. You can also do text tithing. You can use a church center app, a whole bunch of ways. But the truth is that God loves it uh, when we are cheerful givers, when we determine in our heart and think to ourselves, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to pool my money and combine my resources with other believers to bless the kingdom of God or to take care of the poor. And when you put resources into the offering here at Fellowship Church, of course what that does is it keeps the lights on in this room and, and keeps the ministry going right here on our property, but also it helps take care of the poor within our local community and it also helps take care of those in crisis around the world. Um, we have a response team that we're connected with that wherever the disaster is, we don't know where the next hurricane is going to land, but doesn't matter because uh, Project Hope will just be on the ground and they'll provide resources right to wherever that crisis unfolds. So it's a really cool ministry that's connected and all of that comes and goes right into the Fellowship Church offering and then it goes out to all the places that I mentioned. 
So let's pray together as we prepare to take the offering. God, we love you, and we know that everything we have is because you blessed us with it, and we're grateful for that. And this morning, we bring our offering, we bring our tithe, that first 10%, back to your house as a way of acknowledging our dependence on you and just saying we love you in a practical way. We pray that you would multiply our resources for your kingdom work and cause the most good possible to be done. And Lord, we also ask for blessings upon each one of these families as they give that you would increase uh, their resources, that you would cause their stuff to last longer, cause them to get better gas mileage um, out of their vehicles. Lord, just provide financially, relationally, emotionally, just in every area of their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so a big week around here. In five days, we launch our Super Kids Conference. And this is an event, yes, a lot of excitement about it. This is for elementary age students, um, kids going into second grade all the way through the end of elementary school. And it is awesome. It's a stay home style, like, uh, I don't, the old word for it would be a VBS, but it's much cooler um, than what you might be thinking when you hear VBS, but the kids stay here and we just have a ton of fun connecting with them. They go home every night and you pick them up at about five o'clock and then you bring them back in the morning and we get to watch their lives be transformed. These services that we have planned are amazing. They're gonna have an opportunity to accept Christ. They're gonna have an opportunity to learn how God hears their prayers. They're gonna have an opportunity to kind of leave behind any baggage or hurt or wounds that's kind of come into their life. We do some real ministry work, and if your elementary student is not signed up, you better get it together, because it's in four days, okay? And we'd love to have you sign them up today so we can get them in their groups and get all the resources set aside for them. If at all possible, you will not be disappointed. The cost is $75, but if cost is a, a prohibitive factor at all, please talk to me or one of my staff, and we will we'll get you matched up with a scholarship because we don't want any kid to miss out for any uh, financial reason ever, and that has actually never happened in the history of our church. If the people will just tell us that that's the obstacle, we'll get that solved for you. So do that today, if at all possible. Um, last Sunday, Pastor Tim talked about, um, he brought out those blue cards, and he talked about the idea of inviting people to church, and we kind of agreed as a church family that we were going to pray for the lost people in our lives that we might know. And so if you were viewing online and were unable to get one of those blue cards or just there wasn't a sufficient amount in your row, those invite and ignite cards are available at the information counter, and we just want to agree together. That wasn't a one-time Sunday thing that was just like a cute way for Tim to end his message, but that's really something we're doing as a church family, that we are praying for the lost people in our lives, maybe a coworker or a neighbor or a fellow soccer mom. We're praying for them to come to Christ. We're praying um, that God will use us to invite them to our church if they're a local person, but that's the work of the ministry when we say Grand Junction is our mission field. What that means is we're, we're doing this hard work to draw people into the kingdom of God. So we hope you'll stop by the information counter and grab one of those if you can. All right. Well, God is good, and we're going to have an amazing uh, rest of this service, so check it out. If you have been married or dating for any period of time, you've probably heard the question, how did you guys meet? 
Heard that before? I know I have. And if, if you have shared that story more than once, you generally know how to share it. You can share it short, concise. It's really nice. It's really, it, a lot of them are really funny. And I think there are some great stories of how people have met. But some of the funniest stories and first encounters of people are not just between couples, but between just close friends. And if you can think about the close friends in your life, you probably have like a funny moment or something that happened early in your friendship. Most of you know the story about how I met Joe for the first time. I was interviewing about 10 years ago here at the church for a youth pastor position. And Pastor JL asked Pastor Joe in that interview process what he thought of me. And Joe said something like, you know, I could work with him, but I don't think I could be friends with him. Which is funny because we're really close friends now. I mean, look how, look how close of friends we are. We're so close. <laughs> Such close friends. Right? <laughs> we never would have known off that first encounter how close of a friendship we would have had, right? But a lot of you don't know the, the story of my first encounter with Sean and how I met Pastor Sean. Now, when I asked Sean's permission to share this story, he said, you can on one condition. You tell the truth. Because <laughs> Sean and I, we don't remember this story exactly the same. So I'll tell you my version, I'll tell you his, and you guys can kind of decide. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But at this point in time, when I first met Sean, he was playing bass and running sound for Pastor Joe. In our youth center, before 4640, it was called Vertigo. And Vertigo is in what is now Kids Church, and that was in midweek on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we had our youth services. And I had not met Sean before, but when I first encountered him, he was behind the counter in the cafe getting some sodas out of the fridge. Now, the only people allowed back there were volunteers in the cafe or staff members. So here I come upon this person, who I do not know, just getting stuff out of the fridge, okay? And so I approach him, and I, I talk to him about it, and, and by the end of the conversation, we're smiling, and we hug, and we became best friends. Right there, that's kind of how I remember it. His version's a little different. Again, this is all speculatory, so allegedly what had happened is Joe asked Sean to get both of them some sodas out of the fridge, and we're about to open up the, the student center. So we're about to open the doors. All the kids are going to be flying in. And I see Sean there, and I confront him. Again, like, this is all speculatory. Um, but I, I say something like, you know, those sodas cost our church a lot of money. <laughs> so you should pay for those next time. Then I just walked away. And I don't remember that. I really do not remember it that way, honest truth. But what's, what's even funnier about this is like two weeks later, Sean goes to take his next step in his faith journey, and he, get, he goes to get baptized. And I'm one of the pastors in the water <laughs> doing the baptizing. And he has his choice between me and someone else, and he totally chooses somebody else in there, which is funny because Sean and I are really close friends. In fact, we got together years later in the baptismal, and, and this is us right here. That's... That's a cute picture of us, isn't it? It's nice. But the truth is, both with Joe and with Sean, like we had no idea based on our first encounter how close and how deep our friendship would actually go. And now we do everything together. We mountain bike together. Just yesterday at the Fruit of Rec Center, we were in a diving board competition. Uh, spur of the moment. All right, we don't have any pictures of that, thank Jesus. Um, but we, we, we do everything together. And it, it's not we're just just friends that hang out and have similar interests. We're in the same life group together, and we hold each other to the best versions of ourselves. We fight for one another. We pray for one another. And this is something that, based on our first encounters, we never, we never would have thought 
on, in a million years how deep and how close our friendship would have been. And I wonder, I wonder that if our relationship with Jesus could look similar, our friendship, is there a deeper place that our friendship could go with Jesus as well? That with an encounter, even just today, years from now, we could look back going, wow, Jesus, I had no idea you were so good. I think you could be walking with Jesus for as long as Bill Kilgore, and you could still find a deeper place of friendship with Jesus. So that's what I want to look at today. We're going to continue our Jesus Encounter series where we're looking at different people in the Bible. We're going to look at their encounters with Jesus, and then we're going to see how we can learn from them. And for those of there's a cricket in this room. I don't know. <laughs> for all of you dads that are like, I need to seek and destroy. Resist the temptation. We've been trying for a long time this morning already. All right, and at the risk of telling jokes and literally hearing crickets, I'm going to continue <laughs> to share what's on my heart this morning. <laughs> but what we want to do, what I want to do today is I want to take us on a journey where we're going to look at the story of Peter. Now, Peter is famous in the New Testament. He has been in like multiple books. He wrote a couple letters in the New Testament, and he's famous for a lot of things that I can identify with, like making moments awkward. I can do that. I tend to do that at times, like... <laughs> talking about how much sodas cost the church. Um, he's famous for speaking before thinking, uh, as well as just saying things that he regretted. But he's famous for so much more. Let's jump in to look at a couple different encounters that Peter had with Jesus. And I want to learn four ways that we can deepen our friendship with Jesus looking at Peter's story. The first way that we can deepen our friendship with Jesus is to simply let him in. We just need to let him in. One of Jesus and Peter's first interactions in the Bible happens in Luke chapter 5, and it says this, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping out into the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who's Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So Jesus is up against the shore, and he has the crowds pressing in on him, and he wants a pulpit, basically. He's going to push out in, into a boat where the acoustic's off the water. He can speak to more people. People will be able to understand him and hear him. And we also see that the fishermen are cleaning their nets, which we generally can assume they're packing it up. They're done for the day. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And this is where Peter like his practical mind kind of takes over and he basically argues with Jesus saying, Jesus, we've, we fished all night long. There's no fish out here. We've, all night long, there's nothing left out here. It's pointless to do this. But Jesus doesn't give out impossible commands. He doesn't. Jesus will never give out an impossible command. And so Peter takes his advice. He throws it out. I wonder if as he's throwing it, he's like, oh, I got to clean these again. And he th throws it out into the water. And the Bible says they catch a great multitude of fish. Luke 5, verse 8 says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. See, the first action that set all of this in motion is Peter's willingness to just let Jesus in, just to let him in to his boat. And I think the fact that it was a boat was super significant. Peter let Jesus come into his livelihood, his profession, his personal space. And it can be hard to let people in. We've all been 
burned. We've all been betrayed by friendships and relationships in our past, and it can be risky to let someone in. But on that beach that day, I think Peter saw something more than just a teacher. He saw something more than just a prophet. I believe that Peter saw the face of a friend in Jesus. He saw the face of a friend. See, Jesus just didn't want a pulpit so he could speak to the crowds a little bit more. He wanted a friendship, and I believe he wanted a friendship with Peter. I believe that Jesus wants a friendship with each and every one of us now. And if we already have that friendship with him, I believe he's calling us into deeper friendship with him as well. And Jesus wants friendship. He doesn't want to be some distant God that's just ruling over his subjects. He wants a friendship. Not just religion where you just come to church to check that box off and you stand up, sit down, read this, read that. Like, that's not what he's after. He's after your heart. He's after friendship. And I love that there were crowds that day, that all of this happened in front of a crowd, that Jesus was teaching to so many people, but the miracle of the fish, it wasn't for the people. It was for Peter. It was for his heart. It was for Peter. And the fact that Jesus chose to work a wonder in the midst of a crowd, but for the individual shows the friendship in Jesus, that he goes an extra mile for someone because he says that they are worth it. And I believe that Jesus says that we're worth it too, that you are worth it. Revelation 3.20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That meal as friends with Jesus has a potential for a miracle. We just let him in. What could your net load of fish be if you just let him in? So the first step, let him in. The second way that we can grow into deeper friendship with Jesus is to let him know. I mean, let him know what you're thinking. Let him know what's on your heart. Open that part up to, uh, to him as well and actually share and converse with him. Matthew chapter 16 holds one of my favorite stories involving Peter, and it's not as famous as some of his other ones. So fast forward to a time when Jesus asks his disciples who the crowds are saying he is. And the crowds are saying all sorts of kind of gossipy stuff like, oh, Jesus is just John the Baptist come back from the dead, or, or Jesus is just uh, like Elijah reincarnate, or just one of the prophets like Jeremiah. But then Jesus gets a little personal. He asks like an easy question, then he says, but who do you say I am? And he's talking to all of his disciples. And this is where we see Peter is the kid in class who doesn't just raise his hand, he just shouts out the answer. And all of us are kind of a little annoyed by that kid at some level. Just like, just shouts out the answer, but Peter gets it right. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Verse 16 in Matthew 16 says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I can imagine Peter's like in front of the disciples going like, yeah. Blessed. And then Jesus goes on. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. At that point, if you're Peter, you're probably feeling pretty good. You got a special word from the Lord. And he's like, I'm the rock. That's right. Can you smell what the rock is? Never mind, we're not going to go there. But Peter, he's, he let Jesus know what he was thinking. Jesus asked him a question, and Peter wasn't afraid to, to talk, to share with Jesus what he's thinking, what's on his heart. And I think that we need to do that as well. We need to, in friendship, trust Jesus to hear the words that are on our heart, to hear the words that are in our minds. Because, yes, he can read our minds, but for us to come to him with those things, that's the mark of what friendship looks like. 
Now, as Peter is probably feeling pretty good about himself, a lot of us don't know what happens right after this. In Matthew 16, Peter learns the third way we can deepen relationship or friendship with Jesus, and that's to let him speak. This is where Peter gets it wrong, just a little bit. So right now, Peter is feeling pretty good. He just said, told Jesus he's the Messiah. Right after this, in Matthew 16, Jesus goes on to predict how Jesus is going to die. He's predicting the crucifixion and his death. And then Peter pulls Jesus aside and shares what he's thinking as well. Matthew 16, 22. But Peter took him aside, meaning Jesus, and began to reprimand him for saying such things. You ever done that? Taking Jesus aside and said, you're wrong? No, because we learn from Peter, right? We learn from him. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will ever happen to you. And this is where it's one of those awkward TV shows where it's like, it's like the office where you just, you want to turn the channel because it's, it's too socially awkward. This is what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Oh, I can just imagine Peter feeling so good. So he's like, Jesus, come here. And he's like, get away from me, Satan. He's like, oh. And he has to walk back to the disciples. Just like, man. And the disciples are all kind of quiet, like, oh. And Peter takes John's pencil, saying, you're not writing about this. <laughs> but John gets Matthew to write about it later anyway. We've all done some awkward stuff. I remember this one time I was playing basketball with Joe and uh, one of our friends, Russ. And Russ is a college basketball player here in town. I was a high school wrestler. That was my basketball experience. But we're playing this game, and I get the ball at the three-point line, and Russ is running up to stuff my shot to block it for the eighth time that morning. And I do a pump fake, which is where you fake to shoot, and Russ bit on it, and he just flew past me. So I, I fake, and he flies past me. And instead of taking the shot, I decide to open my mouth. I pump fake, Russ flies by, and I go, see ya, Russ. Like that. Russ stops on a dime, jumps back, and like Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan, stuffs my shot from behind. And the ball hits me in the face, and I walk back to the baseline, just remembering who I am. I just wait for a rebound. That's, I mean, it, we've all done some awkward stuff. Peter might take the cake on this one. But what I want to focus on, these two interactions, where Jesus... Uh, where, where Peter declares who Jesus is and Jesus gives him a word for his heart. And then Peter says this, and, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. See, both of these interactions are interactions with a friend because both of these interactions made Peter better. See, a true friend will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. And a lot of times Jesus as a true friend will share us something in the form of like what a hard truth would be like. That's something that Jesus could share with any, any one of us As in the form of a hard truth, something that he might share. You might hear something like, you're getting a little too flirty with that girl. And you hear it from like deep inside of you when you're spending time with him. You might share a hard truth like, you need to be your kid's parent, not their buddy. You might share something like, and if you just get up a little bit earlier, we can spend more time together. I, I mean, there's been times I've been trying to hit the snooze button, and I, I feel like I hear Jesus going from the hallway, I'm waiting. <laughs> Not to cast shame or guilt, but like Jesus wants to spend time with us, so he will share things that will make us better. 
even if it's in the form of a hard truth. Sometimes you might even hear him say, you know what, you're 40 years old. You don't need to do duck lips on a selfie in social media. You don't need to do that. You're accepted and loved right now. But believe it or not, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's his kindness, even, in, even when we hear a hard truth from him that can be felt, it's his kindness that leads us to look more like who we're supposed to be. Because when Peter, when he declared who Jesus actually was, Jesus gave him more about who Peter is. But when Peter declared something contrary to who Jesus is, Jesus says, Peter, you're not being who you are. You're being something different. See, true friends will hold us to the best versions of ourselves and will continually sharpen us as we together grow in what full devotion to Jesus looks like. So we need to let Jesus in. We need to let him know what we're thinking, but also give him space to speak back. Not just talk the whole time, but let him speak as well. And the fourth way that we can draw into deeper friendship with Jesus is to love him back. Now, probably the most famous story of Peter's, and there are so many, from walking on water and different things like that, is the story when Peter denied he even knew Jesus. I can't believe like, somebody that has had this story would, would go and do something like that, but that's probably one of his most famous stories. And the, the night Jesus was arrested, we took communion, and Pastor Jael talked about that Last Supper that night, where the Last Supper that, that Jesus had with all of his followers. And during that supper, he describes again what he's going to do. He's going to have to suffer and die. And Peter doesn't reprimand him. He does quite the opposite this time. He says, well, I will suffer and die with you. Me too. I'm with you. Jesus says this in Luke 22. Peter, let me tell you something. And again, this is in front of all the disciples still. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter's like, I need to just shut it. He's like, John, tell me, just elbow me next time. But surely, Peter, someone who's the rock the church was built on, is not going to fall to something like this. Fast forward a few hours, Jesus and his closest disciples are praying in the garden. Well, Jesus is praying, the disciples are sleeping. And Jesus gets arrested, and then as he's being questioned and kind of beat up by the religious leaders and the high priest, Peter's nearby, kind of waiting to figure out what's going to happen, because most of the disciples just scattered when he was arrested in the garden. And someone comes up to Peter during this time, and he says, you're, you're, you're the guy that's with Jesus, right? You're one of his followers. And Peter goes, no, that's not me. That's not me. And three times this happens. And on the third time, Peter hears a rooster crow, and he's reminded of Jesus' prediction at the Last Supper. And the Bible says he goes away and weeps bitterly. Man, that's tough. But that's not the end of this story. It's not the end of the story. And I can't imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter must have felt. Man, denying even knew Jesus and then having to just go away and weep bitterly. And and then Jesus goes to the cross. He's crucified. He dies. But on the third day, he's risen. He raises to life. And then, so fast forward a few days. Now Peter has seen an empty tomb, but he still doesn't really know what to do, where to go. But Jesus starts revealing himself in new ways. So Peter's kind of in this limbo place where he probably still feels this guilt and shame of denying Jesus. But at the same time, he's like, I love this verse in John 21, 3. He says this, I'm going fishing. That's the answer, fellas, right there, fishing. (laughs) You ever said that before? I'm going fishing. I know I have. And then my wife said, no. 
so I kept doing the dishes. But that's my story, <laughs> not Peter's. This is Peter's story. John 21, verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Remember, Jesus is risen from the dead, and he's appearing to his followers again. And he called out. Jesus calls out the one question anybody who sees someone fishing says. Have you caught anything? No, they said. Verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Is this starting to look familiar? Peter's been fishing all night, hasn't caught anything. There's this strange dude on the shore, says, cast out your net again. This is just, this is Jesus revealing himself again through the same story, through that same origin story. You can almost see the humor in it. Jesus is like, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. Continuing in verse 6, so they did. They cast the net out, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And it still didn't occur to Peter that this could be Jesus. John has to say, that's the Lord. And then Peter, outside of his mind, does this in verse 7. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped it off for work, jumped into the water, and headed for shore. Normal people will, like, take clothes off before they jump in the water. Peter's outside of his mind. I like to think of John, like, I guess I'll row the boat back with all the fish. Thanks, Peter. But Peter wants to get to where Jesus is. He wants to get to where Jesus is. After that, Jesus cooks up some fish, they eat together, and then he pulls Peter aside. John 21 says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. This happens three times. It's too perfect that Jesus reveals himself the same way again. But it's too perfect that Jesus, or that Peter denies Jesus three times. And then Jesus redeems every single one with a declaration of love from Peter. He redeems every single one of them. And you have to imagine that, the, that shame and that guilt that melted away every time Peter was able to look Jesus in the eyes and say, I love you. And for Jesus to come to Peter at the moment, after, after Peter denied he even knew him, but he still came up. He said, Peter, do you love me? And gave him a chance for redemption. The truth is Jesus offers us the same opportunity. Is there an area of your life that's causing you deep shame? Jesus offers the opportunity of redemption. Is there a situation at work that you wish you could have done differently or a set of choices that you wish you could just turn back time and redo again? In the face of all that, no matter what you've ever done, Jesus, as a friend, stands in front of you saying, not just let's fix this friendship, but let's take it deeper and make it stronger than ever, ever before. I had a relationship before um, my marriage to Robin that lasted for five and a half years. And in that relationship, I knew Jesus. I, I, I called on him as, as Lord and Savior, and I was saved. But I never had let Jesus in to, the, to the, the boat that would be like my dating relationship or my relationships. I never let him in to that portion of my life. And for five and a half years, I knew the truth that the Bible said. I knew the truth that the Bible said that, that you need to remain pure. I knew the truth that the Bible said that, that you shouldn't, and 2 Corinthians said you shouldn't date non-believers. I mean, this girl that I was in a relationship with didn't even know Jesus, didn't even know her. And 
and I just dated her, and I knew all these things. For five and a half years, I had some tension and some inner turmoil, but it wasn't until I had a mentor come to me, and he said, Will, have you actually asked God about your relationship at all? Have you actually dove into that at all? And I took that hard truth to heart and said, okay, maybe there's something there. So I finally let God in. And I let God in and, and I just shared with him what's on my heart and how, how could I break up with someone who didn't even know you because you told me to? Doesn't make sense. Like, I would be breaking up with her for a reason she couldn't fathom. How am I supposed to stomach that? How am I supposed to do that? But then I gave him space to speak, and, and, and he said, I don't hand out impossible commands. You can do this. And I'm telling you, it was one of the hardest things I've done. But two weeks after I broke up with her, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. God just needed to get me out of the way. Because she said, if you were to throw that five and a half years away for something like that, then I know it must be something. And then God gave me my miracle in the form of my wife, Robin, the mother of my children, my best friend. An encounter with Jesus can take you to a deeper place friendship. So what I want to do this morning is I want to just offer us a time where we can just encounter him. Is there an area of your life that you just haven't let Jesus in yet? Is there a place that you need to just share what you're thinking, what's on your heart? Do you need to sit and just listen? Or are you in a place where you need to just love him back? So what we're gonna do right now, we're just gonna, we're gonna sing this song. And during that song, just reflect and just let Jesus speak to what he needs to and let him in where he needs to be let into.
feel, feel like there might be someone in here that is just feeling like there's just too much guilt, too much shame. You feel like you've missed the mark. During a worship night a week or so ago, I, I heard the Lord press upon me because I was feeling the same thing. I feel like I just missed the mark in a few areas and I just felt just not worthy and not worth it. And I, I feel like he told me this. He said, you can miss the mark. Yeah, like we're not perfect. But he said, you can't miss me. If you aim at Jesus, you will hit him. The more you seek him, the more you will find him. So this week, let him in. No matter what you've done, no matter what what. God has, has, has said in the past and what you feel like maybe hasn't come true or, or whatever the enemy has tried to, to, to cast in, into your circumstances, let him in. If it's a portion of your life that's obvious you need to let him into, or if you're already in that place, just thinking, man, I just missed the mark. Just continue to, to speak to him. Let him know what's going on in your heart. Let him speak back and continue to love him in the face of everything else going on. I promise you, deeper friendship you will find. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, not only who you are, God, but thank you for what you've done for us, the path you've laid before us, and, and the friend that you continue to show up to be no matter what. Father, I pray for every heart and soul that's either listening to this later or live here with us. God, I pray that they can feel the presence of a friend right now. And then no matter where their journeys are, what the walks of life are, God, I pray that they can find deeper, more meaningful friendship with you, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your heavenly name, Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us this Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you.
if this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with one of our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.